You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Uh, no, well, listen, that sounds like a, a challenge, and I'm <laughs> totally down for that. I've had a few, um, I've had a few sessions in my day, and I'm not exactly a lightweight. So, <laughs> grab some poutine and a double double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out. Every week, Travis Curra. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, hunt! And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm Travis Carrot, joined by Brazilian Ty, and we will be talking to CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi on Two and Out today. This episode is brought to you by Alberta Health Services, and they have an important message to pass on to you. We ask these children if they know when to go to emergency and when there are other options. If you got in a car accident or like having trouble breathing, yeah. I would go to emergency if I had a really bad hockey skate cut on the neck. They're there to treat people that are really sick or really hurt. If you have an emergency or if you're not sure, we're here to help. Know your options. Call HealthLink at 811 or visit ahs.ca slash options. Commissioner Ambrosi, thanks so much for joining Two and Out. I think it was pretty much this time last year that you came on the podcast with Tyrell and myself. And I, I got to say, I kind of like this midsummer State of the League address. Well, let's uh, let's hope it goes as well this year as it did last year. <laughs> okay, let's first go back to the off season when you embarked on another Randy's road trip. A lot of the focus this year seemed to be all about the CFL 2.0 initiative. It seems that the CFL is now available in more homes, on more devices around the world. How do you feel about where we're at with CFL 2.0 and what's the next step? Yeah, you know, I have to say that I think we took the right first steps, and uh, and for that I feel very good. You know, there's a lot of work to go from where we started to where I ultimately want to get to. You know, where um, we just saw the uh, the uh, the great British, the Great Britain Football Association join our efforts. We have the Japanese here in a week's time. I'm looking forward to meeting them. There's some amazing football being played in Japan. Uh, we just had the German uh, Federation here last week. They're very excited about where we're going. The, the uh, LFA uh, for Mexico were here uh, about a month ago, and, and that relationship continues to, uh, you know, to prosper and shows great promise for, you know, future activities. So there's so many good things, but, you know, I wake up every day realizing that from here to there, there's a lot of hard work that needs to be done, and, I'm just thankful that I've got great partners across the league to do it with. I think your time as commissioner has been one of the most eventful times all year round as a CFL fan. And this past off season, collective bargaining did expire just before training camp started and everything seemed to kind of come down to the 11th hour. I know you're ever the optimist. Did you expect it to come down to the wire like that? And do you kind of wish it had been done sooner 
Well, I, look, I, I think that I personally, I learned a lot from this year's negotiations. You know, I feel like uh, the lessons learned from this round for me personally will give me uh, will give me a lot of insight into things that I'd like to see us do differently uh, when we go back to the table in three years' time. I want to do a lot of work with the players, you know, really starting right now and building a vision together for where we take the league. Uh, I think we can get a lot done between here and the time that uh, this current edition of the CBA expires, and hopefully by the time we're back at the table, we, we perhaps end up with a even better outcome and a little less drama. To kind of piggyback on the CBA question that Travis just asked, uh, attendance across the league has been one of the big water cooler topics, uh, you could say, as of late. Do you think the CBA process and, and the absence of a CFL week uh, early in the year hurt the beginning of the season attendance-wise? And what positives do you have on that front? Because, to be honest, some of the fans are quite worried about it. Yeah, you know, look, I um, I don't know that it was the CBA or the lack of a CFL week. I just think that we're at a time where you've got to earn every single fan. Uh, you've got to, we've got to reach out to a to a you know to our fans, re-engage the ones that we've always had. Uh, we've got to go find new ones. Uh, so much of our 2.0 strategy is really geared around you know, tapping into new March, changing the psyche around who we are, you know, going mm-hmm. from going from a small, you know, kind of humble league to a much bigger, more powerful league. We saw that, we saw that, uh, you know, with the uh, Raptors, you know, where they captured the imagination of a whole nation. And, uh, and that it was done largely on the strength of, you know, kind of their positioning as a big global league and a team that now sits atop the you know the throne of a of a global NBA, and it wasn't that long ago that the NBA had a vision uh, for becoming a more global uh, a game. And I think that uh, it's a page out of their book that we can uh, that we can you know build our own story. But uh, you know, I just think going back to the question of attendance. You know, I'm, I've been following some of the some of the discussions on what's happening in the in sports overall. Major League Baseball is going through some challenges on attendance, and uh, and I just think we're just going to have to literally uh, go out there and grab these grab these fans and welcome them in. You know, welcome them either into or back into our league. And I know that again that I've got the right partners to do that. And, and even touch on Atlantic hasn't been immune to the slow ticket sales and you know the attendance numbers and such like that. Uh, so there was a price drop. Could this happen across the league like we've seen in Edmonton with their promo they had last week and they're going to, I believe, continue to do? Or is that up to each individual team uh, on their own? Well, you know, it's one of the things that's a great question, by the way, and I appreciate your asking it. You know, one of the things that we're trying to do at the league office is really build a team services group that can provide a lot of insights for the teams, a lot of shared knowledge, so that the teams don't have to fight these battles uh, all on their own, that we can all work together. I think there was a lesson learned, uh, you know, in Moncton. And, uh, and, you know, to his infinite credit, Anthony LeBlanc, who's the founding partner of uh, Schooner Sports and Entertainment, you know, was very transparent while I was with him 
over the first two days of the week. You know, he said, look, they learned a lesson. They were, they didn't get the pricing right, and they got a lot of feedback from fans that there weren't enough affordable tickets. You know, they went, uh, they went back through a pricing exercise, uh, brought in some sponsors who uh, partnered with them on a family zone ticket, you know, $29.00 and uh, a hot dog and a drink, you know, I think that's a credit to the, to the kind of uh, attitude that they have there around making sure of, hey, if you make a mistake, own it, and then get back on your, you know, mm-hmm. get back on your horse and, uh, and then drive forward. And I, I admired the way Anthony's handled the whole matter. And, uh, and I think, again, around the league, we just have to continue to work hard. Uh, look, we're going to... Nothing that uh, nothing great comes easy. There's always work that has to be done if you want to build something special, and I'm convinced that the CFL has got its best days ahead of it. Of course, that game's coming up August 25th between the Owls and Argos, so hurry up and get your tickets for that one. Uh, when we had you on last August... Uh, we did talk about the Schooners at that time. We didn't know it was going to be the Schooners. That did happen at the Grey Cup in Edmonton. Has the CFL and maybe Anthony LeBlanc and the Schooners ownership group kind of, I don't want to say learned lessons, but deadlines have come and gone. Are we going to stop talking about sort of deadlines to meet? And is the optimism still the same on both sides? Well, I can tell you that the optimism is still there, and uh, and again, to Anthony's credit, he was he uh, he said several times during the many, many, many interviews we did uh, while out east. Uh, he said, "Look, I, he was teasing that uh, every time he uh, even had the itch to uh, to share a date, I, I gave him a I gave him a dirty look." <laughs> uh, yeah, look I, I think we have to go back and look at uh, what happened in Ottawa. You know. One of our greatest franchises, John Ruddy, Roger Greenberg, and their partners, that exercise took them seven years. And there were setbacks along the way. And John Ruddy, if you have never met him, is one of the greatest men I've ever known. One of the finest men I've ever known. And those guys, what they did is they just stuck with it. And they got that thing, uh, you know, across the goal line, and now it's one of our finest franchises. And I was saying to Anthony, if anything, one of the uh, one of the big parts of what has caused me so much excitement is that while this process to get that stadium deal uh, hasn't, you know, hasn't been easy, and there and it's gone slower than they had hoped. Uh, Anthony and his partners Gary Drummond and Bruce Bowser have not flinched. And I think that's a tremendous statement about their character and the kind of partners they'll be. Because, look, we don't want fair-weather friends in the CFL. You know, we don't want somebody that likes the idea of being in this league if it's easy. Uh, Because sometimes it's hard, you know, and uh, you guys know that in Calgary. You know, that story has not always been what it's been in the last two decades. There were some hard times in Calgary. And it's because of it's because of the great people that have been associated with that franchise, you know, with Murray Edwards at Calgary Sports and Entertainment and all of his partners. We've got John Bean now, Ken King. Ken King will, you know, will uh, who has done so much for this league and is and has been a, a source of inspiration 
around the league, you know, all of the efforts they made, Doug Mitchell, all of those partners that that uh, were part of that rebuild, they knew that they had to have staying power. And, uh, and then I look at teams like Saskatchewan, you know, everyone looks today at what, uh, at what they have. But I think for those of us who are, you know, been around, and if we think back to, you know, times during the 70s and 80s, uh, that wasn't always the um, that wasn't always the remarkable franchise that we see in front of us today. So you know what the thing is, you have to respect the partners who are willing to do the work, and that's what we're seeing in um, in Atlanta, Canada today with uh, with Schooner Sports and Entertainment. I like that term, uh, Fairweather Friends, and uh, I think. The the group in Ottawa, definitely they're a great ownership group. It seems like the Schooner group is uh, working really hard. Is that what you're looking for in Montreal? It kind of seemed like the Lenkov brothers deal was sort of all but done. Is it a matter of dotting I's and crossing T's at this point? You know, I, I, I one of the promises I made to to uh, you know the, to their group and and frankly, I've, I continue to remind myself is oh. we're not going to talk about the process. <laughs> yeah. Because you know what? It's, it's a little bit like setting deadlines. You can easily make a fool of yourself. And uh, I don't, you know, I don't need any help doing that. Uh, <laughs> no, you know, seriously, I think what we are looking for is that same kind of, you know, phenomenal commitment that we've gotten. You know, we look at uh, look at Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. Yeah. You know, it's not an easy road for them, but boy, if you spend if you spend ten minutes with Larry Tannenbaum, ten minutes, it'll change your life because uh, Mr. Tannenbaum is just a remarkable man with deep convictions about what he wants. Um, you know, the Raptors weren't always the Raptors that we know now. There were a lot of lean times there. And it was because of leadership from, uh, you know, from, from Larry, uh, from George Cope, from Bell, and, and Edward Rogers, and all that they've done to really build that kind of global, that global platform. So we want the same thing in all of our CFL cities. You know, we, we're, we've never had better owners than we have today. We want to add that in Montreal because we feel so strongly about what football represents in that market. And so, you know, again, I, I wake up every day thankful for the people I'm working with, optimistic about the people who are going to come next, and then think to myself, yeah, boy, there's some hard work in front of us. But one day, one day when we wake up, all of us who love this game, including yourselves, are going to realize that we've been part of, of doing something special and take this league to the next level. The Alouettes are a team that have already changed their head coach and general manager uh, in the first quarter of the season. And teams like the Argos and Lions, they may want to, but there is the coaches and front office cap that came into play last season. Uh, how does the CFL plan to continue to attract new blood to continue to improve player and coaching development with this in place? Well, you know, i I got to tell you something. I... I had a chance this winter to spend time with Coach Chamberlain in uh, Toronto, and I'll tell you something. I just thought the world of him. He, I think he's great. Just, yeah, he he just honestly, again, he's a, it's it's kind of like meeting uh, Larry Tannenbaum. You spend ten minutes with uh, with the coach, and you just feel great, and you think there. I mean, he does he have all the answers today? No. Do you is he a 
is he got all kinds of potential to uh, to be one of the greats of all time? I believe he does, and uh, and so I'm optimistic for you know for them. Obviously, a rough start to uh, the you know to kick off the season, but I think he's one of those. Uh, I think he's one of those guys who will long be remembered, you know, in, in decades to come as, as a coach who, you know, who, who maybe got a rough start, but I think ultimately he'll end up having a great career and, and make a contribution. And I, I frankly am seeing that around the league. You know, I, I know, you know, you, you look at what's going on in BC, but I'll tell you, I, I'm very, I, I'm, I have a great confidence in Rick Wallisher. Uh, you, you know, in, in, uh, in Ed, I, I think he's a fine guy. Um, I know I think that young coaching staff, they'll have to do some learning and they'll have to make some adjustments. But ultimately, we've got great talent at, uh, you know, at the, both at the president level, look at the GMs and uh, and our coaches. So, you know, we just keep forging on. You were in the booth with Cuthbert and Glenn Suter. And of course, you brought up the fact you haven't had a a non-busy week when it comes to to player discipline and, and whatnot. So I'd be I, I can't not ask. Uh, so Simone Lawrence week one with the Claros hit was suspended for two games. Files an appeal. Uh, I think we can all agree that he should be allowed to file the appeal. Uh, just the timeline of it over a month uh, for it to go through and the suspension was upheld. Uh, and a lot of fans saying that it was just too long of a process. Uh, is there any amendments that could come or, or that can be made to this process to maybe streamline it or make it a little bit quicker? Yeah, you know, I think this is, again, one of those topics that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we need to spend time with the Players Association, uh, with Jeff Keeping and Brian Ramsey, and got to build, we, you know, I, I talk about building bridges in, as part of this 2.0 strategy. I, I want to do the same with the players. You know, it's easy to get mired in the battle, and then... Um, and then you kind of feel like you're in a battle. And I think the, you know, the opposite side of this is what if we just, you know, uh, sit down face to face, people that love the game of football and want to see it prosper. I think there is a way to do, uh, to do it better. I don't have that answer today. I think it's something we'll have to work towards. But, uh, look, in the end, I think we wanted to make a strong, send a strong message about, um, our commitment to player safety, and frankly, I think the Players Association embraces that too. I don't, uh, I, you know, I don't have a doubt in my mind that they want the best for their players, as as we at the league want the best for mm-hmm. the players. So I just think we got to find a way to constantly improve everything that we do. And I'm again, I'm pretty optimistic that there are answers to those questions that uh, you know that are out there and together we'll we'll work to find the solutions and obviously Zach Claros not the only quarterback uh, to get injured this year is two-thirds of the starters from out of camp have missed games already uh, many of the injuries were non-contact so it's really tough to prevent those uh, but next season teams are only going to be allowed to have two quarterbacks on the game day roster uh, how does the league plan to help teams with developing quarterbacks and, and also keeping them on the field well, you know, it's it's something that we've got to talk about. Look, you know, one of the things that uh, on the NFL only has two two quarterbacks on the roster, and you know they've done fairly well. So I don't know. <laughs> that the, I, I don't know that the answer is that you have to have uh, three. Right. But I will tell you, this whole business of finding ways to develop quarterbacks is such an important question, and. You know, one of the things that we've been talking about with every one of our international partners is how do we create roster spots 
for you know for Canadian players that uh, to give them an opportunity to continue to play the game they love and develop their skills. And I'm very excited to uh, to tell you that we're having very constructive conversations around the world. And I think by this time next year, we're going to see we're going to see a lot of Canadians uh, playing football around the world, continuing to develop their skills. And I'm frankly hopeful that that's going to be in the quarterbacking position as well, because you know, wouldn't we all love a chance to see some of these great U, U sports quarterbacks, some of our you know some of our junior quarterbacks getting a chance to continue to develop? And who knows, you know, one of them just or two or three or four, just, you know, with a little bit more time and a little bit more experience, don't come back and end up playing, uh, you know, playing in the, in the CFL. And, and maybe, uh, maybe the next Russ Jackson is just around the corner if we, uh, if we get this international program going. We put uh, uh, some questions out on Twitter, so some fan questions for you, Mr. Commissioner. Adam wanted to know if the CFL has ever looked at streaming fans directly or streaming games directly to fans in Canada. Well, you know, the, that's a great question, but, you know, you remember the importance of our TSN partnership. Of course. And, of course, they've got their, you know, they've got their streaming platform, and if we end up going direct to the consumer, uh, that would affect our partnership with TSN. And frankly, that's not a you know that's not a good bet for us. Uh, you know, one of the things I really love, just absolutely love, is, is is the time I get to spend with Stu Johnson and Paul Graham and and our great partners at TSN because I'll tell you they're incredibly committed to our league, and uh, we've got a that partnership is critical to our future so you know i'd say while it's an interesting idea i think we got to work harder at uh, working with tsn and finding you know continuing to work together to find ways to get our product in front of as many uh, many cfl fans as possible there was another question from a different Adam that wanted to know about the situation in Calgary, and he's he's kind of worried about the status of the Stampeders as the Flames get a new event center and the Stamps are in uh, an aging McMahon Stadium. It's hosting the Grey Cup this November, but I think it would be ideal for Calgary to have another one of those great CFL stadiums on the prairies. Well, listen, I, uh, I was talking with John Bean today, and, you know, I congratulated him on, uh, you know, getting that, uh, that stadium or, uh, pardon me, the arena deal done, and I think that's great. But I think it's just going to give, uh, it'll just give further uh, motivation to just now have that conversation about a stadium. And, you know, Calgary's one of Canada's great cities. The Stampeders have been perhaps the most successful team in the CFL in the last two decades. And I'm not ashamed to say this. Look, if there's a team that's deserving of a great new facility, it's uh, it's the Stampeders. John Huffnagel and and uh, you know that entire organization have done so much uh, that. Uh, so I guess you know we're all going to have to lean in and uh, and do everything we can to put the pressure on 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 each other and on the you know on the government, both at the city level, the provincial level, and see if we can't. Uh, if we can't find our way to a new shiny new facility and one, uh, you know, world-class uh, way for fans to enjoy our game and ultimately for the Stampeders to continue, 
what they've been doing now for a very long time, and that's thrill their fans. Last one off of Twitter, ended on a little bit of a lighter note. Uh, Joe was wondering if you are aware that you are on the phone with the Grey Cup pierogi <laughs> eating champion uh, in Travis as he defeated Zach Evans last year and was wondering if you would have what it takes to take on the champ. Uh, no, well, listen, that sounds like a, a challenge, and I'm totally down for that. I've had a few... Um, I've had a few sessions in my day, and I'm not exactly a lightweight. So, <laughs> and that just sounds like something we just might have to get into. <laughs> well, how do you like your pierogies? Sour cream, fried, like all of the oh, above? Oh, listen, first of all, just the word pierogi makes I'm getting emotional. <laughs> so start there. Uh, look, I grew up, uh, you know, my, uh, my great-great-grandfathers came to Canada from the Ukraine in the late 1800s. Uh, I grew up uh, with a fairly steady diet of uh, of pierogies, or as we called them, petaha. Nice. And, uh, and yes. I can tell you something. I'd have no problem <laughs> if you want to have a little competition between us. Uh, and uh, how do I like them? I just like them. <laughs> All right, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to find a day Grey Cup week. I know it's a hectic week. And speaking of food, I just want to ask one more general question. You've traveled the world with uh, CFL 2.0. I mean, come on, you've probably been able to have some great international food. What country has uh, treated you? Oh well, I'll tell you something. I, I mean, I've I'm uh, I've really been uh, hosted beautifully by uh, our international partners i had a i had schnitzel in the in uh, austria Ooh. this winter that was absolutely spectacular so that was you know that stands out in my mind but you know i'm a foodie so the problem is once you get me talking about food <laughs> I, I mean we could literally we could literally be here for two and a half hours but you know seriously Welcome to the opening of our show. I, I, I went to a street a street uh, vendor in Mexico City and had uh, tacos. Nice. And I'll tell you something. I they warned me off. They, I, I, I asked it, uh, pointed to this little rack of sauces, and I pointed at one. And and the people that were we were with said, "Oh no no, that's too hot for you." And I tried it, and uh, I got. Quite a, I got quite a bit of surprise that I could handle it. So, yeah, boy, I'll tell you, now we're on to a subject that is truly near and dear to my heart. I, I think you have the dream job, Mr. Commissioner. Well, you know, I, uh, I said this before. I was uh, with the Prime Minister in Ottawa for the Grey Cup, and I, uh, and I did say to him, I said that is, you know, great a job as as it would be to be prime minister of this phenomenal country of ours. I still think my job is better, and he gave <laughs> me a he gave me a nice smile. So I think uh, maybe maybe I could say I thought there was a suggestion that he agreed with me. But no, listen, I I love the I love the job. I love the league. I love the fans. You guys are great. I I know we have challenges. But to every challenge is an opportunity, and I'm just convinced that we, if we do this together, all of us, that we'll wake up in the not-too-distant future and have this league heading in a, in a new and exciting direction. Well, Mr. Commissioner, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to Tyrell and myself, and we'll chow down on some pierogies in Calgary in November. I'd love that, guys. And in the meantime, thanks for your continued support of the league and, 
and all that you do to help make the CFL great. So thanks, and, and to your listeners, have a great evening, and I'll, uh, I'll talk to you soon. Awesome, Randy. Thank you so much, and safe travels across the, across the world. Thank you. Thanks once again to CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi for coming on the Two and Out podcast this week. We are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. So many great shows on the network. You can see them all at albertapodcastnetwork.com. This week, I want to send you to Emily Missed Out. Emily and Brianne watch classic pop culture-filled movie gems that Emily's never seen. So join them as they try to determine if she missed out. And when I say absolute gems, legendary movies that she's never seen. I'm not kidding. Episode 37 was The Godfather, then Wayne's World, Christmas Vacation, the Star Wars prequel trilogy, Pulp Fiction, Rocky, amazing movies. (laughs) But it must be amazing to miss them and then go back 25, 30 years to watch some of the classics that a lot of people got to enjoy as they came out. So enjoy Emily Missed Out, a part of the Alberta Podcast Network. This week, Tyrell and I, taking part in the Canadian Football Podcast Network Fantasy Challenge, I will be taking on Safamod from uh, the Piffles Podcast, and Ty has Sheldon from Horseman Radio. It's going to be some cool battles. We'll see how they wrap up on Monday. If you want tickets to any of the games this week, we have some awesome awesome games make sure you go to seatgiant.ca because tonight if you're listening to this podcast soon enough bombers and stamps we got the riders and the owls red blacks and eskimos roman reigns is going to be in the house lions and tie cats the feline bowl seatgiant.ca it's canadian owned and operated all the tickets there are in canadian dollars and hey maybe, maybe there's concert tickets you want both north and south of the border SeatGiant.ca, promo code APN. It's three letters, APN. You're going to save 5% on your order, and you're going to support the Alberta Podcast Network in the process. Have yourself a good weekend. Enjoy week nine. Tyrell and myself will talk to you Monday morning. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter. 